Mornings on Radio 191FM. Tēnā koutou i tēnei ahi ahi. These are Radio 1, te reo irirangi kōtahi news headlines for taite rua te koumā rua o Epedera. Ko Quinton tēnei. The Otago University Students Association held their first SGM in over a year yesterday, attracting a crowd of over 100 people with the promise of pizza, potential to win a free BYO, and of course, student democracy. A motion to restrict funding to only clubs that attended the SGM failed. This isn't the first time such a motion has been put before an OUSA SGM, with the same initiative being voted down in a previous SGM. The most hotly debated topic of the meeting was the motion to increase the pay for the executive members. OUSA President Michaela Waitavi explained to students that the pay for executive members had not been raised in several years, meaning that their current remittance works out to less than minimum wage. The increase that we're proposing would bring it up to around, around 20, 20 before tax? Before tax, around 20 before tax. Um, which, if you're thinking that sounds similar, it's close-ish to minimum wage, but not quite there. Michaela Waite-Harvey explained that increasing pay for executive members would allow them to do a better job, since they wouldn't have to take on additional work to get by. This claim was supported by political representative Mari McKenzie-Everett, who spoke about the need to take up part-time work. I regularly work up to 20 hours a week. <laughs> um, that equates to, I think, about $6 an hour after tax. Obviously, we don't work hourly, but to give some context, um, I also hold a nine-and-a-half-hour part-time job um, working retail, which is a lot of stress, um, as well as working uh, studying full-time. This is a common story for particularly the 10-hour roles and the 20-hour roles. There was some crowd opposition to this initiative, with criticism surrounding the fact that the president's pay was set to go up by $8,000 annually, while ex-officio members such as the Tumuaki of Te Dropu Māori and the president of UOPISA would only see a pay increase of $250 a year. One Pacifica student, Cam Young, spoke to this, acknowledging the important work that the Tumuaki of Te Ropu Māori and UOPISA do outside their roles on the OUSA executive. However, for the uh, non-ex officio positions, they go up by $2,000, $4,000 or $8,000, whereas the ex officio members are going up by $250. But, uh, to me, that is a ridiculously small amount from the amount of work that our ex-officio members do. Our Māori and Pacific Tumuaki, or presidents, they both uh, run their own student associations as well as provide cultural competency, cultural uh, advice, and welfare support to the rest of the OUSA, OUSA exec. President Michaela Waitavi said that this issue could be looked at another time. OUSA also passed a motion to call upon the Labour government to follow through on re-implementing the postgraduate student allowance, something the Labour Party campaigned on in their successful 2017 election campaign, which saw them elected to government. President Michaela Whitehavy said that this was something that they were already working on. One student who spoke to Radio 1 said that they were glad that this motion had passed, because if OUSA had been working on this issue, the work was not visible. Students also voted in favour of extending the grants policy for clubs to include food, with the restriction that the food grant can only be used for the purposes of the club.
In addition to that, academic clubs are also like they they are largely social in nature as they're about you know getting people who are studying a similar degree together. Therefore, a lot of their events um, are involved with just people like meeting up and you know talking. So therefore, having food to attract people to the club is really important. Another OUSA SGM is set to be held within the next two weeks after Sign Up Club gained the necessary signatures to put one into action. Suggested motions for this SGM include giving Sign Up Club the ability to receive OUSA funding for BYOs, a second Hyde Street party, and for the president of Sign Up Club to become an official position on the OUSA executive. Netsky has had a hui with Tedropu Māori ahead of his concert in Dunedin tonight after videos surfaced of him portraying racist stereotypes about Māori at an America's Cup event in Auckland. Due to the size of the whare, around 20 people were present for the hui. Radio 1 news manager Bonnie Harrison spoke to OUSA President Michaela Waitavi about the hui. It was really good. Um, I think everyone got understood each other really well and everyone appreciated just the effort that each other put in and everyone's happy and ready for the concert tonight. Uh, so we the mihi whakatau, introduced ourselves to each other, um, had a discussion about you know what happened and, and you know how it made our tawara feel and that was really productive and then we just had a kai. Michaela Waitavi said that there were positive feelings throughout and called it a place for positivity and discussion. Netsky is set to perform in Dunedin this week at the OUSA Orientaster event, which was postponed due to the COVID-19 alert level restrictions. Now over to Radio 1 news reporter Zach Hoffman for the next story. Tēnā rawa atu koe, Quinton. Ko Zach tēnei. Earlier this week, Radio 1 spoke to Umbrella's owner and local musician Ed Lobo, who says the Dunedin City Council's noise control laws are killing local venues. Noise controls always lean towards the complainant, so there is no real way to find out whether we're doing right or wrong. We're just doing wrong by default. Noise complaints can result in musicians' equipment being impounded, and for venues, it can lead to their businesses being shut down. Venues are already disappearing. Lone Star, they, uh, they stopped people from playing music altogether because of noise complaints. There have been venues that were near closing down, like the Donito Musicians Club, when there were noise complaints from the hotel opposite. A spokesperson for the Dunedin City Council replied to Radio 1 about the issue of noise complaints affecting the Ōtipoti music scene. The spokesperson says the Dunedin City Council has received a complaint about the enforcement of noise control and they plan to meet with the complainant and the venue owner to discuss what happens next. When asked how the Dunedin City Council is supporting the Ōtipoti music community through the 10-year plan, the spokesperson said the addition of a new mid-sized theatre could be used as a music venue, which Lobo says won't help smaller acts. There is no real mention of how musicians are going to benefit from the 10-year plan. Plans towards the theatre, Mayfair, which is really good, but that, they only work for bigger acts, big, bigger promoted activities. Radio 1 spoke to Liam Hoffman, one half of Ōtipoti duo Night Launch, to understand how noise control laws are affecting musicians. The closing of Dunedin venues due to noise control is usually because of new residential places. It's connected to gentrification in that way, and it just means there's the same amount of bands, maybe even more bands, but less venues, so you have lower chances of playing live, which is a real shame. It's becoming harder to find practice spaces because of noise control. That's also shit. The spokesperson added that because noise laws are set by the central government through the Resource Management Act, 
there is little district councils can do to reform noise control laws. Back to you, Quentin. Tanakwe, Zach. Now to Radio 1 news reporter Eileen for her interview with the stage manager and production manager of Otago University's infamous capping show. Tenakoto. The 127th annual capping show is performing next month, promising a night of laughter and high-quality student theatre. The capping show is a student-led theatre production, featuring short sketches, music and the famous Selwyn Ballet. Each year the show follows a parody theme, with this year's being Larry Thotter and the Chamber of the Bong. Radio One sat down with stage director Jacob Kay and stage and production manager Anna Thomas to chat about the process of creating the capping show each year. We all kind of group together, do auditions, select our writers and actors, and then we create a show. Next year a lot of marketing will come out about how you can go for auditions and then you just show up They'll run you through the auditions, which is dancing and a little bit of acting, and then you find out if you'll be involved or not. For any of the backstage type of things, um, that's usually you'll go through the stage manager for that one. It'll get posted on um, OUSA. The theme was decided in December last year, with the cast and crew keeping it secret until it was announced last week. Anna said there are new and exciting things happening with this year's capping show, which will remain a surprise until the production opens. Definitely we'll have to come along to the show to see the uh, different things that we're putting in play. Um, so I don't want to give away too much, but there is definitely um, definitely something with the acapella groups that will be different this year, so I definitely recommend coming along to that. The capping show is running for an eight-show season from May 13th to 21st, with doors opening at 7pm. Tickets are available from Eventbrite and are $21, or students can purchase them at $15 with the promo code OUSA. Ko Eileen Tane. Tenakwe Eileen. Wellington bus drivers have announced that they will be striking tomorrow, Friday the 23rd of April, protesting for better wages and working conditions. This comes after Wellington members of the Tramways Union voted to strike on April 14th, with 204 members voting in favour of the strike and only two opposed. The strike will begin at 4am tomorrow and run until 4am on Saturday. Tramways Union Secretary Kevin O'Sullivan said that the strike was not something that they take lightly, but the drivers had just had it. The new collective agreement put forward by the Tramways Union would see bus drivers starting out on $23.75, moving up to $25 an hour after two years. This isn't the first time Wellington bus drivers have taken strike action. In 2018, bus drivers walked off the job indefinitely, protesting over 14-hour working days. And in 2019, they striked again over terms of their new collective agreement. The strike will affect 27 bus services across Wellington, particularly those in the eastern suburbs. Services in the Kapiti Coast, Wairarapa, Hutt Valley and Potidua will not be affected, and neither will those run by the company Transurban. This strike is set to have major disruptions for commuters in Wellington, with Wellingtonians taking an average of 32,000 bus journeys each day. Dunedin bus drivers have also been protesting for better wages and working conditions, taking to the streets on the 1st of April outside the Waka Kotahi NZTA offices, protesting for the living wage that they were promised on multiple occasions last year by members of all levels of government. That was the news, here on Radio 1, Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi 91FM. Now, the weather. The Radio 1 91FM weather.
Fine spells today increasing, and then high cloud this evening. Light winds with northeasterlies from this afternoon. High of 18 degrees, dropping to 11 overnight. That's the weather, here on Radio 1, Te Reo Itarangi Kotahi 91FM.